Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I'm Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. We are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com, and we are into the off-season edition of the Cold Brew Podcast. The off-season is upon us, and it is soon to be go time with free agency, trades, major decisions being made, option decisions, arbitration, non-tenders, all that fun stuff, all going to be gotten to over the next couple of weeks, dissecting the breakdown of and the collapse of the Brewers in the 2022 season and how bad it was. But now we, we don't have Brewers baseball each and every single night, which sucks. You know, I'm, I've got the, uh, the postseason on in the background watching the Braves and the Phillies, and it should be the Brewers and the Braves, but, you know, that didn't happen, but still. Um, the Cardinals lost. The Cardinals lost. Woo! That is the silver lining <laughs> about everything. So the Cardinals lost to the Phillies, and as much as I would have liked to see the Brewers beat the Cardinals, mm-hmm. as long as the Cardinals lose, I am happy. So, yeah. Matt, we, we've got a positive note here to start on. Yeah, that's right. Uh, if, if it can't be pro-Brewers, anti-Cardinals is the next best thing. Or anti-Cubs. It's tied. Yes. But the or anti-Manny Machado. I'm soon, let's be honest. Yes, absolutely. So, but so now, I mean, we, we end the, you know, we go to the weekends and, you know, we got to, we got to fill our time with, with something. There's, there's no Brewers baseball to watch. So, this past weekend, Matt and I filled yeah. our time playing some softball, play, playing some baseball. We were able to hang out. We got a family friend who's got a baseball field in his front yard. And, you know, every, every year, twice a year, we just kind of gather and play some baseball and drink some beer. And afterwards, go back and talk crap about the brewers and eat brats and hot dogs and burgers. And it's a good time. And Matt, you, you showed up for the first time. What did you think of, of coming over and, and, and enjoying the, the laid-back, relaxed pickup softball game? Man, I had a hell of a time. Um, it was nice to be casual as I haven't actually exercised in several years. Well, Neither had most of the people there. It's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's three days later, later. I'm still very sore. Mm. Uh, but I, I, I was glad that I was able to uh, show that I, I still had something in me. I did lead off the day with a leadoff double. And unlike the Brewers, um, I was brought home after that leadoff double. Because here is like Big Al. All he has <laughs> is dingers. Uh, yes, that is true. It was, it was a big day for the dingers. I do not leave my leadoff runners stranded. No, that is for sure. Um, I did not take my hitting philosophy from the Brewers, so. Well, uh, a little bit, because it was home runner bust for you, so. That's I mean, true, <laughs> that, that's true, but I did not have the strikeout tendencies that they had. I don't think I struck out I, a single time no, the entire game. So. And you only got one strike, so. Exactly, uh, yeah, it is one strike and done. If you hit it foul, if, if you swing and miss any of that, you're out. Yeah. So there, there's, unless... Unless you're a girl, then you get three. But right. yeah. But uh, no, it was it was a hell of a lot of fun. We were able to pack three games in because they all went fast with the whole one strike rule. I'm very grateful for being. Yeah, and no pitch clock either. Rob yeah, Manfred. Exactly. 
Um, but it still went pretty fast. But uh, no, very grateful for being invited. I had a lot of fun, and um, even though even though I'm still very very sore, it was worth it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Got to have you back for the for the winter game in February oh. when we play in the snow. Those are always fun too. Sounds like a nightmare, but I am still in because it's baseball. Well, it's, it's, it's not what? as bad as you think, actually, um, once you get it going. It, but it does kind of depend on the weather that day. Um, but usually it's 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 pretty good. Um, I feel like they'll need more beers for that one. Yeah, yeah, probably. You know, if we, if we get enough people, uh, Dale might get us a, a quarter barrel, put it out Ooh. there at second base. Oh, there we go. Yeah, so we need to, need to get that. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was fun. I'm still a little bit sore too. I, I hurt my, <laughs> this is, this is going to sound like horrible bragging and just kind of the worst, you know, Oh, woe was me injury? But I sort of hurt my, my, uh, like I, I still feel a little, a little pain in, in my calf, like, like in my, in my lower leg because I nearly destroyed and rolled my ankle on a home run trot when I stepped in a rut in the dirt. <laughs> but like my, my first home run there, there was like a little bit of a rut, like just beyond first base. So like, I'm just going through the baseline and my foot stepped like half in it. Yeah. And then it just kind of like, sort of like rolled. I'm like, Oh no. Oh uh, yeah. And then was that every- the one after the glorious bat flip or was it one of the other several homes? I think it was before the bat flip. Okay. Cause, cause that one, that one was on a line. Like my first two homers were like on a line. Like they kind of yeah. barely got out. Um, but I had one absolute moonshot and I just flipped it. Oh, that was, that was great. I, I wish, I wish we had cameras. Cause that was a, that was a fantastic flip. Yeah. I mean, like this is like one of those games and one of those things where, you know, it's not really taking out the cameras and taking pictures and, and videos of everything. It's just, enjoying the moment with mm-hmm. people and just kind of like staying away from it all and just and just living it man like that that's what i love so much about about those games mm-hmm. and just everyone just just enjoying it and having fun and the smack talking between sides <laughs> no i enjoyed it I'm, i mean i would say um I, I like half the people there were younger than me half the people there were older than me like it was a good mix of just you know good old Wisconsin folk and you know everyone was very friendly and easy to talk to and chatting up people uh myself and Chris I believe um over there on the right side of the infield holding down shortstop and third base um and talking about how not natural infielders we are just having having fun I did have one sweet barehanded play at third base in that first inning uh and that I, I felt pretty good about myself after that um, I did have another one where a line drive went over my head and off the glove because I got maybe a half inch of elevation on my leap. All wow. I needed was another half inch, and that goes into the glove. Um, so it felt like as the game went on, it started, you know, the range started uh, dipping down a little bit, and the the yeah. the you know uh, the movie White Men Can't Jump. Yeah, <laughs> that was my case yeah. uh, at this point. So well, and, and Chris know, over know. there, I mean, Chris was basically imagine Rowdy Telez playing yep. shortstop. Yep. <laughs> that like because he was playing shortstop and he actually played it well. He did. He like he, he played really good shortstop. He was he was nimble over there getting balls down in the dirt, making throws. Yeah. It was it was great. And then I'm out there in uh 
in left field. And I'm pretty sure in this game, even though I haven't thrown in a very long time, my throwing arm was still better than Christian Yelich. Oh, very much. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, uh, someone uh, did not or forgot that David was a former collegiate pitcher and tried to take second base, and that did not go well for him. Eric, it did I, not. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a fun time. It, it was fun. Yes. We were able to have some fun this weekend, you know, kind of distract from the fact that the Brewers uh, ended their season prematurely. You know, it would have been nice to have a Brewer game to watch that day, but but alas, yeah. it did not happen. So enough of the game that none of you were at or saw and have no <laughs> idea what we're talking about. Uh, back to the Brewers. And, you know, with the season over, no postseason, it's time for David Stearns's annual Stearns's Stearns. I don't know. It's it's sure. that kind of a day. It's it's time for David Stearns to have his end of season press conference, and he had it earlier this week. It was not streamed live, which I found to be kind of BS because the Brewers usually stream those live online, and they did not this year for whatever reason. Um, perhaps they were too embarrassed by the fact that they missed the postseason. I don't know, but. Stearns made his comments. He was asked questions from the media and everybody. And, you know, it's kind of some typical political non-answers, you know, dancing around the question and uh, whatever else. But there's always at least something to either read between the lines or, or to take away from what he says from the from the questions that are asked of him that he actually is willing to to talk about. So I want to dive into that a little bit. We have an article going into all the big takeaways on reviewingbrew.com that you absolutely should uh, check out. So one of the big things was obviously Stearns taking responsibility and being asked about the hater trade and and missing the postseason and and making a trade like that at the deadline. Um, He cited the hater trade as one of the major reasons for why they missed the postseason, Um, how he, you know, talked about how he doesn't get do-overs in his position and the fact that, it had a much larger impact on the team than he anticipated. Uh, and he ultimately, he took responsibility and, and he took a large share of the blame for the team not making the playoffs, recognizing that it was what they did at the deadline, not doing enough there, and the impact from the hater trade that ultimately caused this team to fall short. And I think it was it was very important that he did that, he needed to do it, and I'm glad to see that he did it. Yeah, and he's done that in the past. You know, he's acknowledged mistakes uh, after the season has ended, but those were more acknowledging that a certain transaction didn't work out. We've talked about him before, the Jonathan Scope uh, trade, the, the reliever trades from last season you know or uh, I shouldn't not as much that actually the 2020 moves was really kind of the big thing he said that you know the direction they went in didn't work that's really more addressing the moves in terms of how they affected the performance on the field you know whether they translated to wins and losses this is having to own up to a I didn't take into account the other stuff the chemistry part which we've we beat that drum for weeks now, ever since the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, I think you and I both have said, not just on this podcast, but through the website and, you know, on radio appearances and stuff, that it's important that Stearns addresses that he realizes that he did this or did or didn't do this when, it, you know, whether however didn't uh, consider the chemistry to the players. I think it is also important that he did it in this press conference to the fans, you know, because the fans are the ones who um, really are, you know, they're the ones that make this team. They're the ones who come to the game. They're the ones that provide the revenue. And it's not, it's not just about uh, what happens on the field. It's not just what happens in that clubhouse. It's, it's what happens in the fans' eyes too. And so it was, it was nice that, cause you know, these comments, it's a press conference. They're going to be written down. They're going to be read. Um, whether it's our site, whether it's someone else's site, not whether it's on a uh, broadcast, but we already went over that. Um, but it, it, it's important that he says to the fans, yeah, you know, I got it wrong. And not just the trade didn't work out from a wins and loss perspective, but it affected the team. And I didn't think that was happen or I didn't consider that that was happen. And I'm glad he did it. That's him being transparent. And he's been transparent in the past. And he could have said the same, hey, this is a trade that didn't work out. And I'm, I'm also glad that he went deeper into that. And he he does realize that it went further than just whether it translated to success on the field. Now it's now you've got to learn from it. And he will. He's learned from things in the past. Um, but that's what he has to do. How do you learn from this opportunity? Yeah. And I mean, even though he, he made mistakes here, he Stearns is a very, very smart guy. Um, mm-hmm. And he doesn't really make the same mistakes twice, usually. Um, so, I mean, he 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 knows uh, how he went about it and what, what happened there at the deadline was uh, a mistake. You know, he may not he may not say it in as many words. You know, you, you, you'll look at, it, you know, his exact quotes. It's like you don't get do overs in this position. You know, when he's saying that he's really saying is I wish I had a do over. Yeah. You know, like that's that's pretty much what he's going to be saying there. Um, that, that That's what he's thinking on the inside. I wish I could get a do-over, but I don't. I, I don't get a do-over in this spot. I can't go back to August 1st and either change the trade or not make the trade at all or whatever. You know, I, I think, you know, he's like, I'm still excited about, you know, some of the guys we got in Asteri Ruiz and Robert Gasser, and I'm excited about them too. Mm-hmm. I really am. Like, I, I think those were good prospects to get, but – you know, in looking back on it, trying to load up for the future while also getting some help now and, you know, trying to maintain that level level of competitiveness when trading away an all-star, it didn't work. They tried to thread the needle with it. It was a very small needle uh, that they tried to thread, and it didn't work. Yeah. And I think this is something that, that's going to be important, and it's and it's great that they realize this, and it's important that they realize this. Because ever since then, ever since the hater trade, a lot of people, not just not just us, but all throughout Brewers fandom, have been thinking about, okay, well now Corbin Burns is going to be entering that same spot. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, Willie Adamas, they're going to be entering their final two years. Uh, next trade deadline, they're going to be a year and a half away from free agency, the same spot Hater was. Could they pull the, the same thing with them? Uh, and just try to trade them away, get some prospects, and and say they're going to maintain competitiveness. And I, I think the hater trade has taught them the lesson that no, they can't. 
Um, and certainly they can't do it after they already pulled the hater stunt mm-hmm. because they, they made that trade and it eliminated a lot of the goodwill and trust that that fans and the front off and fans and the players had in this front office. And there there was blind trust for for the longest time. They had earned it. And it's just, okay, in Stearns we trust, whatever you guys do, there, there's a good reason behind it, and it's going to make sense, and, and it's all going to work out. The hater trade eliminated a lot of that um, because this it, it worked out so horribly. So now when it comes to those guys, even if before all of this, they may have been thinking, okay, not, you know, then we trade Burns, we'll, we'll, trade this, we'll trade Woodruff. If we can't sign these guys to, to extensions, we'll trade them early. I don't think they can get away with that now. They can't get away with trading Burns this offseason or, or Woodruff or, or Adamas this offseason because they don't want to pay them and try to get prospects and, and big league talent back. They won't be able to get, get away with it. They will be run out of town with torches and pitchforks, mm-hmm. like like straight up. So, you know, whether it's this offseason, next July, um, or even the offseason after that, when, when there's one year left, it would still be too close to the hater debacle to see those guys traded again and have everyone not think they are they are trying to to tank. They they are just they're just trading everyone away. They they don't care about winning. So I think the blowback and the fallout of the hater trade of them missing the playoffs put an end to any idea that they could get away with trading any one of those other guys in the core, Burns, Woodruff, Adamas, any of them. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, that you mentioned that, you know, trying to thread the needle of making a trade that helps now and in the future, because that's that is not an easy type of trade to be able to pull off. And as you're talking about this and just trying to, you know, think of it now on the spot, I can't think of a single trade in the past that he's been able to do that's worked in that sense. Certainly not at the trade deadline. Trade deadline Mm -hmm. trades generally are about one or the other. You're either trying to sell and build up prospects or players for the future, or you're trying to buy to compete now. Rarely is anyone ever trying to made, make a trade to satisfy both. And Stearns mm-hmm. just tried getting too cute with it. And it, and the trade itself didn't end up working. And then on top of that, and I'm glad he acknowledged this as well, he mentioned that they weren't also able to reinforce that trade with other moves to assist the offense, for mm-hmm. example. Because we mentioned that right after the fact that the the hater trade and we've referenced back to it since then that the hater trade on its face at the time wasn't necessarily a bad move as long as they weren't done there and by not being done we're not talking Matt Bush and Trevor Rosenthal we're talking about uh, guys to help make the offense a little bit more consistent more impact names. To go along, because if you're going to get rid of an impact name, you should be bringing in an impact name. And none of the guys they brought in all the way down to Gaston Ruiz, none of those are, quote unquote, impact names. And I'm glad that he acknowledged that he that was a miss as well. We said previously that maybe there was a plan A, plan B, plan C to where if this hater trade happens, this is what's going to happen to balance it out. And maybe none of that just ended up being able to work. Um, 
but you you just can't let that happen. And mm-hmm. it's good to see that he realizes that yes, there were there there were multiple facets that brought us to where we are today. The, the Brewers out of the playoff and the chemistry, you know, not on as sturdy footing as it has generally been ever since really Stearns and Council and all those guys kind of um, took over. So we realize that now that's good. We realize now we have learned that trying to make a present and future type supporting trade is basically not impossible, but very close, very hard to walk that thin line. We know that now. So mm-hmm. learn from it and get better this off season. But it's a good first step in acknowledging what went wrong and doing so publicly. Yeah, I mean, once you pull that trigger on the hater trade, you gotta follow it. You gotta follow through on on the rest of those plans. And yeah, I recognize you know Matt Bush and and Trevor Rosenthal, uh, the 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 following acquisitions didn't do enough to help. And I'm like, wow, really shocking. Just getting Matt Bush and a guy who didn't even pitch for you didn't yeah. help cover the loss of a four-time All-Star closer. I am. St- Stunned, just stunned that that didn't work out. Um, yeah, it's they, they needed to follow it up with something. They did not. They they didn't do enough uh, surrounding it. And then of course you know Rosenthal doesn't pitch for them, and Denelson Lamette gets DFA'd, and it just you know turned into a major debacle. So yeah, we don't need to rehash all that again. Um, but yeah, it's. It, it's so important that they recognize the mistake. The, the first step to fixing a problem is recognizing that there is one. Mm-hmm. So we have reached step one. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have that going. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, ultimately Stearns, you know, recognizes he's like, I'm accountable for how this organization performs. They did not perform up to expectations. They missed the playoffs after that trade deadline where they traded Hader. And it is obvious to to everyone uh, that that was a major reason why. I mean, he also cited other reasons, such as an inconsistent offense, which is Mm -hmm. accurate, uh, and a bunch of injuries to the team, especially starting rotation, which is also accurate. So it it wasn't entirely the hater trade that caused this team to miss the postseason, but that was that was a big blow uh, to them as well. So, yeah, that was really kind of the the big, uh, big talking point, big takeaway uh, from from this trade or or from this press conference. Uh, One of the other ones here that, you know, just kind of going down uh, when he was asked about, you know, the urgency and missing the playoffs and um, if there's, you know, any sort of urgency or plans to be more active this winter in free agency or trades and, you know, make some significant additions or changes to the roster. David Stern said, the core of the team is sound. And that was that was pretty much it. He was not asked about the core of the team. He was asked about being active in free agency, and he said the core is sound. To me, Matt, that sounds like we are not going to be getting a lot of activity on the free agent market this winter. I would have to agree with that. And it doesn't surprise me, considering... I don't think that's entirely untrue. If you consider right. who the core is, Burns, Woodruff, Adamas, Yelich, I mean that's your Freddie. That's your core that you're starting with. Yep, Freddie, you've got Ashby under 
uh, new extension as well. But those are, I mean, those are your big guys. And that's, that's a good core to have two starting pitchers, a former MVP, and at times a difference making shortstop. Uh, the, the type of numbers he puts up from the shortstop position, you don't get that on a lot of teams. So He had a down year, and he still had 31 doubles, <laughs> 31 homers, and 98 RBIs. And that yeah. was a down year. And the most home runs for any Brewers shortstop, any Milwaukee shortstop in franchise history. Yeah. That's, that's, While hitting 238. Yeah. If he hits 283 instead of 238, oh, man, look out. Imagine. Yeah. That's, it's maybe good he didn't because then there's – the, what are the chances we actually get to re-sign him to an extension? But I digress. What are the chances we sign him anyways? It, well, we can, we'll get into that later. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's another pod for another day. Uh, but anyway. Or at least a little bit later in this one. <laughs> between, between that, the fact that they do have a solid core, the fact that they have, if, if you have read our uh, recap of MLB Trade Rumors uh, arbitration projections, the Brewers have a lot of guys. Now, granted, some of those guys will be non-tendered, but a lot of guys set for raises this off-season. So you've 18. got that, eighteen guys. You've Those got are twenty-six guys. man active roster. Mm-hmm. Eighteen yeah. of them in arbitration. Matt, exactly. quick numbers. What is that percentage? That are you killing? You're kidding me. Uh, eighteen divided know, by 60? twenty-six. Let's say it's sixty. Sixty-nine percent. Nice. Nice. 69.23%. It's a math podcast once again. Anyways. Yeah. And uh, that and that concludes the math portion of yeah. this podcast. We're done with that. <laughs> so you take those couple factors into account and the Brewers being a you know mid to low market team. No, I, I, it doesn't surprise me that there's probably not a lot of moves that are going to be made. I think if you take... The injuries into account and assume that the, that same amount isn't going to happen or they're not going to happen to the same person, people, hopefully. Um, another year under the hitting coaches, I think, ends up helping. They, the, uh, part of the press conference said they were happy with the job the hitting coaches did this year. With a full off season with them. Yeah. Because the, those guys did not get a chance to talk with their players at all this past winter. Right. And an abbreviated I, spring training. Yeah. I, I think – I. I I do agree with the set, the assessment that there is a solid core currently in place. I do think there are some moves to be made. I think we all have our ideas of what we prefer those moves end up being. Um, but it doesn't surprise me that he would say that they're not rebuilding. So it's not like they have to make a bunch of moves because of that. It's a, it, That just doesn't – that it's not the way – since they've been competitive, basically since 2019, it's not the way that they have operated. They made their big moves back then to start getting themselves into a competitive window. Yelich and Kane. Yep, Yelich and Kane. In 19, you had Moustakas coming back and Grandal. I guess, if those are like next yep. wave of big moves, so to say. Grandal is a then, big move. Yeah, but since then, there haven't been... Big moves. Eric Sogard was not a big move bringing him back in 2020. What? <laughs> what do you mean? What? It, Nerd mean, power, since, dude. Since since 2019, what are the biggest moves they made? A signing of Andrew McCutcheon and a trade for Hunter Renfro? Uh, the Renfro trade was good. It was very good. It was. It turned out very well. Hunter Renfro was a team batting champion mm-hmm. uh, among qualified hitters with 
two fifty five. That was yeah. That's a rough season offensively when your batting champion is hitting two fifty five. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the OPS champ on the team and twenty nine homers. So, yeah. uh, a lot to like from what Hunter Renfro. Uh, did this year, which is going to make it more sad when they probably trade him to clear room mm. for Joey Weimer. Uh, yeah, that's the the Renfro. You know, Renfro will he get traded? Maybe, maybe not. You know, that's something we'll also probably talk about more as we go through the off season. Um, but yeah, as Stearns was saying, the core of the team is sound. Don't basically don't expect a lot in free agency. Um, and really, I think honestly, they don't have to like, I, I don't hate that too much because um, Stearns also mentioned, you know, almost somewhat in the same breath, but you know, he's talking about the number of elite hitting prospects they have at the top levels of the minors. And a lot of these guys are going to be uh, that these guys have earned opportunities at the big league level heading into next year. So you can let Andrew McCutcheon and his eight and a half million dollars salary walk, replace him with Sal Freelich making mm-hmm. league minimums. Ah. You can let Omar Narvaez. You can let Omar Narvaez and his five million dollars salary walk and replace him with future Hall of Famer Mario Feliciano. Yes. <laughs> you can let Colton Wong and his ten million dollars salary walk and replace him with Bryce Terang. Yeah. So you let that be twenty three and a half million dollars in salary walk. Replace it with three really, really good prospects who are going to make a combined total of $2.1 million. Mm-hmm. So that's $21 million-ish in savings yeah. on, on salary. And you get, Freelick is probably going to be an improvement on McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. Feliciano probably going to be an improvement on Narvaez, especially with how poor of a season he had this year. My God. Yeah. Um, and... Bryce Terang, probably an improvement on Colton Wong, maybe. I mean, Wong ended up with some decent numbers. Wong ended ended with some decent offensive numbers. Mm-hmm. His his defense regressed a little bit, uh, but his offense ended up all right, had, had a hot stretch there towards the end. But Terang could probably hit better than 250. Um, he may not have as much power, but he ended up with 13 homers on the year in AAA. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So I think you could get just as good, if not likely better production from all three of those prospects in place of those three veterans. And your team's going to be in a better position. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why I, I don't disagree with that mentality. And from the money you save on those guys, that's money that ends up going into likely arbitration raises. So, yes. It, it probably or contract extensions or contracts. Hopefully that's, contract that, that's another thing we got to talk about. Another one of the takeaways here from this, uh, David Stern's end of season press conference. He, you know, he was asked about extensions for Burns and Woodruff. And he said uh, kind of generically that they always have the, have a goal of locking up talented players without getting into specifics. Um, and that ownership is highly motivated quote unquote, to keep this current group together. Um, so, so they like this group. Ownership is motivated to keep them all together, which again leads to the belief that they are not going to be looking to trade Burns or Woodruff or whatever this offseason or next trade deadline or whatever 
uh, in another hater style trade. So I, I think we're done with that aspect of, of these kinds of front office moves. But the ownership is motivated to keep the group together and that the front office always has a goal of locking up talented players long term. So that sounds like a, a good recipe for some contract extensions. And the Brewers have three obvious candidates, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Willie Adamas. They haven't, to, to our knowledge, they haven't opened extension talks with Corbin Burns. Burns has said as such. They haven't reached out to him about it. Woodruff and Adamas haven't said anything about it. They both say they really like it here, they enjoy it here, and that they'd love to stay here long term. But we don't know anything either way uh, about extension talks there. But I feel like they got to sign somebody. Like, actions speak louder than words. You know, even though we're on a podcast here and we're, and we're only talking in words. But <laughs> for, for Stearns and, and Atanasio, you know, you can say you're highly motivated. You can say your goal is to lock up talented players. But you got to act on it. You know, you got to lock up a Willie Adamas or a Corbin Burns or a Brandon Woodruff or a Corbin Burns or a Corbin Burns or a Corbin Burns. <laughs> Sign them to those deals. Um, if they, they say they're motivated, how motivated are they? I feel like you have to lock up at least one of these guys. Because how do you say that, or not, not say, but intimate, so. that you have a solid core and you probably won't have to make a whole lot of moves but then also not lock up any of those guys. Like it, it, combining those things, if you're not going to make a lot of moves and not lock up any of those potential extension candidates, you're saying that it's the next two years or bust, basically. Yeah. I feel which, like which hasn't been, you know, what what they've like that would be inconsistent with what they've done before because correct. you know that the hater trade and everything was about ensuring that they don't have a long rebuild and that they stay competitive, and that they can extend their competitive... Because currently their competitive window ends in 2024, when right. all these guys hit free agency. Um, so they need to have the farm system replenish uh, for 2025, and, you know, or get some other guys that are, you know, under control longer. So they want to extend that window, and yeah, as you are saying, in order to do that, you got to sign some of these guys to extensions. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think we've got our hopes as to, well, we know you've got your hope as to who we, we know which team I'm on one will be at the very least. Yeah. Um, for me, I don't know. I get it's just. Like part of me wants to say I'd rather it be Willie Adamas. He's such a huge part of the team chemistry wise. You it's hard to get that type of offensive production out of a shortstop. He's he'd be an important one to give it to. The other part of me says it should be one of those pitchers because they're so much more or less likely, I should say, to be replaced. An elite starting pitcher, let alone two of them. How do you, that was the difference, by the way, between why you would trade a Josh Hader with a year and a half left of control versus one of these other guys with a year and a half left of control if you get towards the trade deadline. Because Josh Hader, you had a quote-unquote replacement, in a sense, in Devin Williams. Devin Williams is very, very good. I think there's a chance that Devin Williams 
could be at least as good as Josh Hader in that role, especially with an offseason to like decompress and kind of really get like prepared for the fact that he is now your closer of the future. But the problem was you didn't have a backfill for him uh, as a setup guy. But I feel like you can find setup guys, like probably not to Devin Williams elite level. That, that said, they found Devin Williams. So y- there's a good chance you can you can backfill. You were able to backfill Josh Hader. You can probably backfill uh, Devin Williams. Can you do that with a Corbin Burns, former Cy Young winner? Can you no. do that with a Brandon Woodruff, a Cy Young contender by all rights over the last uh, couple of years? He's gotten his fair share of votes. Way less easy to replace one of those guys. And so yeah. that's that's what makes me think that maybe those guys should be the extension candidates, even over a Willie Adamas. I, I'd prefer to be all three, but this is the, yeah. the Washington Brewers. Let's, let's be realistic. Yeah, the, the, this is not the Los Angeles Dodgers. Right. But, but also, I mean... The, those guys are starters, um, you know, rather than relievers. Haters is, is going to pitch 60, 70 innings or so a year. Mm-hmm. Corbin Burns will pitch 200 yep. innings a year. That that's a lot more. That's a lot more innings. A lot more reliable and, and important guy. And year to year, starters are, are much more consistent. Relievers are the most volatile position group mm-hmm. in baseball. They could have yep. a good year one year and a terrible year the next. We we've seen that the past couple of seasons. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. You never really know in any given year with relievers. So yeah, the, the starters are the guy you'd, you'd pay the money to. Um, you can find good bullpen guys for cheap all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they can perform just as, just as good. Obviously, you know, not as dominant as a Josh Hader, but still. So yeah, those are the guys to, to definitely rely on. As much as I'm pounding the table for a Corbin Burns extension, I am not expecting it. Uh, of the two, I'd more, I'd say it's more likely they sign Woodruff just because he'd be cheaper because he does not have a Cy Young to his name, uh, and Corbin Burns does. Um, Adamus is the one that I'd, I'd really love to see them extend. Um, you know, I do like a couple of the shortstops that they have. Like, you know, I would like to see Bryce Trang at shortstop, but does he have the the power ability, you know, power and hitting ability that Adamus has. Not really. You know, Adamus is, is better uh, in that respect. So, like, I, I'd be I'd be happy to see him. I'd be happy to see Terang there, uh, but I'd like to see Adamus stick around. But they're going to have to hurry because mm-hmm. the shortstop market is going to explode once again this offseason. Trey Turner is, is hitting the market. Um, you're going to have Xander Bogarts hitting the market, I believe. So Maybe. you got a couple of, of big time shortstops that are going to be hitting free agency and they're going to get a ton of money and that is going to set the market. And that means Willie Adamas, who is putting up similar types of, of numbers, I believe him and Turner were the only ones who had uh, 30 homers or, or I think he was like the, the league leader in homers among shortstops or like second, like right behind Turner. So he's like right, right, he's right was, there with him in terms of in terms of shortstops. So it's probably going to be a, a big money, you know, extension, you know, 100 plus million dollars for Willie Adamas. The longer they wait, the more the price is probably going to go up. So they might want to get on that uh with with him pretty quickly. Of course you could say the same about Burns and Woodruff. They they should have done Burns a while ago. 
Um, but that's that's something that they're going to have to jump on. And like, look, if if all of this, the hater trade, you know, saving the money there because they didn't want to pay hater and not signing much in free agency, if all of that leads to extensions for these guys, I'd say if that leads to extensions for two out of the three, I think people will be happy. People are like, okay, you know what? The hater trade, like all that sucked, but these sacrifices are worth it in order to retain these guys, in order to retain Adamus or retain Burns or retain Woodruff um, to in order, in order to keep those guys back. Yeah. <coughs> that uh, Sander Bogarts, man, that's going to really be interesting if they have plans to do an extension for Willie Adamas, you're right. That's got to happen ASAP because Bogart's currently making $20 million a year. Uh, he has a player opt-out now that this year is done. I have to imagine because he's uh, he's otherwise locked up for like it was like five years after that or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and they that. just got Trevor's story. Exactly. And Bogart's is – he hit 307 had a 377 on base percentage, uh, 833 OPS, 15 home runs, 73 RBIs. Like that's that's some good all around numbers. Uh, is it just did hit uh, made his fourth All Star game? Yep, fourth All Star game. He has gotten MVP votes in each of the last four years. Good chance he gets maybe a vote or two this year. That dude's gonna get paid. Trey Turner's gonna get paid. So between those two, you're right. That is going to drive the market up a ton for the next few years. And if you don't get Adamus in, then yeah, he's as good as gone after two years. Because the amount you're going to have to pay to lock him up, a guy as young as Adamus is, and who's had you know some numbers at times in his career, um, he'll be making some money. Probably not Bogart's money. But but, but given the, the scarcity of, of elite shortstops and the importance of having an elite shortstop, yeah. which I believe, you know, Adamus is is pretty much right there as an elite shortstop. Mm-hmm. Um, someone is going to pay him. Yeah. I, either it's going to be the Brewers. Maybe they can get him on a somewhat, you know, hometown discount. You know, that they might try for that, you know, see if he goes for it. And he does love it here, so you know maybe it could happen. Maybe he'd mm-hmm. go slightly below market value. But once he hits free agency and other teams start throwing big money at him, uh, it, it's going to be impossible for the Brewers to compete right. uh, for, for that kind of a contract. So, yeah, the, the sooner the better uh, when it comes to, to some of these contract extensions. So, yeah, I, th- I hope that that's what their goal is that this offseason season. Right. You know, ownership says they're highly motivated to keep the group together. You're going to have to open the checkbook, Mark. You're, yep. you're going to have to do it uh, if nice. you if you truly are highly motivated. And that's not just lip service. Mm-hmm. You know, St- I'm sure Stearns would love, you know, you know, he, he'll say they always have to go lock up talented players. I'm sure Stearns would love to keep Burns for however long. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to let him walk. He doesn't want to see him go. I don't think he wanted Josh Hader to go either. But he knew he wasn't going to be able to sign him because right. they, they just did not have the money. They weren't going to pay him 20 plus million dollars a year for the next however many years as a one ending reliever. Right. But for a starter, 
for a guy like Burns or a guy like Woodruff, those those big game guys, Stearns would love to have them and love to keep them around long term, especially given given everything about their profile. Those are guys he'd love to have. So it's going to be on ownership to prove how highly motivated they actually are to keep this group together long term and sign a guy like Burns or Woodruff or Adamas or all three, ideally. Um, but that's probably not going to happen. Only if that soccer club starts making Mark some extra revenue. <laughs> Get some extra profit to turn in here. Yeah, that would be right. uh, that would be nice. But yeah, that was that that was a very interesting uh, comment from Stearns uh, during during this past uh, press conference. So another one was talking about how the offense needs to change. You know, it talks about how homers are a really good thing, but I also think the game calls for certain things during the game and the season. And at times we just didn't get it done in those situations. Hmm. That mm-hmm. sounds a little bit like small ball and moving runners over and not letting leadoff doubles get stranded on second base. Uh, you know, it, it sounds like those kinds of things that a lot of people have been pushing for for a while with this offense that wasn't getting done. Um, and Stearns recognizes that, that they need to change. There were way too much home runner bust uh, this year and that like they had some success. You know, their offense overall numbers wise around the league. Uh, was pretty solid, but they still struggled with consistency and struggled with with these uh, situations. And again, this is something that I think can circle back to what we were talking about before with the young guys coming up, you know, replacing Andrew McCutcheon with Sal Freelich. Freelich is more of a, a on-base, make-contact guy, not really selling out for, for power. Uh, he's going to be getting on a lot more often and, and doing a lot more in those situations than McCutcheon did. Bryce Terang, same thing. Contact guy, high on base percentage guy. Uh, Mario Feliciano, he had pr- for a pretty high average this year. Power was his calling card. He didn't get to it as much this year. But, um, you know, you got some of these guys coming up. Asteri Ruiz, Garrett Mitchell. Contact is their calling card. This has been their, their focus in the draft the last couple of years. Yep. And just now, these guys are starting to be ready to come up. So you can replace those power-dependent, uh, low-on-base percentage guys and, and guys who are kind of contributing to the struggle and replace them with higher batting average, higher-on-base percentage guys who focus on contact and not relying as much on the home run. So you get Freelick and Ruiz and Terang and Mitchell implemented into this offense, and all of a sudden the whole look changes. Very much the focus of the types of players they've acquired. And you go even deeper, you see like a guy like a Tyler Black and Eric Brown Jr. Mm-hmm. on base guys. And thankfully, like you said, like they are close now to being able to contribute. And we should see some of these guys next year. And now you'll have a mix because, of course, you need power guys. You need home run guys. You need guys, you need run producers. That is where the league is trending. And hey, the Brewers did have, in terms of runs scored per game, the Brewers did have a good offense. They did. They didn't down the stretch. Um, But over the course of the year, they were a, for most of the year, they were actually 
uh, a top third offensive team in terms of run per, per, runs per game. So they could score, but you saw those inconsistencies. It was the thing that bugged me the most. There was situational hitting that was not great. They could get big hits at times. They didn't get enough hits at times, which is why at one point close to the end of the season, I pulled up the stats and the Brewers were like top five or top six or something like that in uh, slugging and walks, I believe, with runners in scoring position, which a lot of people don't want to believe, but they were like 20th in average. So they didn't get enough hits. They didn't. And walking when you've got runners in scoring position, that's great. You extend things a little bit, but that isn't always going to be bringing a guy home, which is what you need with the runners in scoring position. They need to cross home plate. So you need that balance of guys who can produce runs, but also guys who can get on base. And now that it seems like some of those are coming up again, maybe that goes back to the, we have a good core in place and it's not, it's not just those big name guys. You, your core includes the young guys. It includes the guys that are about to come up that looked so impressive at double uh, A AA and triple A down uh, the course of the season, especially down the stretch run. Those are guys, they're ready. They're ready to, Terang's ready. Mitchell's ready. Obviously, we saw him. He had a very good finish to the season. He finished mm-hmm. 500 in his last, I don't know, like 30 at-bats or something. Yeah, Still he had out. over 300 on the in, in that final five weeks Right, he was up. Yeah, still struck out a decent amount, but, I mean, that's something, with enough work, you hope that he can kind of get past that. He's always going to be somewhat of a strikeout guy, but, you know, if he can limit it somewhat, that's okay, as long as he's still getting on base. He's the guy who needs to get on base. Yeah, him and and Asteria Ruiz, because those guys are speed demons, Mm -hmm. and you just get them on base, they will be stealing bases, they will be running all over the place, and they'll get you in a scoring position um, where, you know, even just a fly out will bring them home. You know, like, you can get a sack fly, you know, just something, uh, as long as they can just put the ball in play. And, yeah, adding these guys who put the ball in play, who don't strike out that much, that is going to be crucial for them going forward. So, yeah, it's relying on guys like Mitchell and and Terang and Freelich and, and Ruiz. And I'll say that there is going to be zero reason. There, there's There's got to be zero excuse for the Brewers to not have Bryce Terang and Sal Freelich on their opening day roster next year. Yep. There's no reason not have them on there. Unless there's, you know an injury knock on wood that that doesn't happen. Um, but provided that they're healthy, there's no reason not to have both Freelich and Terang on the opening day roster next year. Very, very much agree. They, they, they have to be there, not just on the 40 opening day roster. Terang has to be on the 40 anyways, because he's Correct. rule five eligible this winter and they're right. not going to let him uh, sit out there. So I'm, I'm so glad that they not only focused on the hit tool with these guys that they've been bringing in lately in the drafts, but also the speed. All these guys are so freaking fast. When I was looking up the stats for and put out a all minor league team for the Brewers uh, lately that we have on the site, if you want to take a look at it, uh, Bryce Terang led the organization in steals um, with uh, 34. 34. Yeah, Terang led it. Second, I think, was actually Weimer. Yep, Weimer with 31. Correctly. So we didn't even talk about him as one of the on-base, quote-unquote, guys, and yet he had the second most steals in the organization. And Ruiz so really was, good 24. 
yep, Selfrelik is fast. We already know Mitchell is fast as hell. We know Ruiz is, obviously, too. These guys are all just blazing fast speed demons, and that will only help when it comes to trying to score runs. As long as these guys can get on base, then they're not all going to be, you know, 350 on-base percentage guys right off the bat. Some of them will struggle, but some of them won't. Like, law of percentages, law of averages says that not every, that at least one of them will be probably pretty solid in terms of OBP out the gate, and that's all you need. Get them on base, get them on, get them over, get them in. You want to know what's crazy? Eric Brown, the first-round pick from this last year, only had 97 at-bats, had 19 stolen bases after getting drafted this year. So, yeah, another speed demon. He was at uh, low A for a lot of that, and uh, as good friend of the podcast Greg Young has told us, that is a stolen base haven. Yes, it is, but still. That's uh, still amazing. He got on base with – he had a 385 on base percentage – um, you know, don't change that batting stance a bit. I'm telling you, it's worked. Just roll with it. Yeah, it's uh, that's gonna be another fun one to watch. Uh, coming up through the Brewers farm system to continue to to supplement um this group. So yeah, they they got the young guys coming up. They need a they need a natural shift in the offense to get away from being so home run reliant. Um, they need Christian Yelich and Willie Adamas to be the high batting average, high on base percentage type guys. Again, the 31 homers from Adamas is nice. Um, but I'd like to see him hitting more in that 280 range, mm-hmm. uh, like he was last year. I'd like to see Yelich more in that 280, 300 range, like he was before. Um, e- even if you don't get the home runs with Yelich anymore, if he's hitting 280, 300, you'll take it. You know, that that's still very productive, getting on base. He still has some speed, can steal some bases. Um, that That's what you need to see from them. Um, you'll have your guys like your Hunter Renfro's, your Rowdy Telez, your your Joey Weemers, um, your guys like that to be supplying the power throughout the lineup. So if you guys can just get on base um, and just kind of move around, those guys will be able to, to bring you in. And, and if not, I mean, you, you got everyone else there who can get on base and just keep the line moving. Singles can score runs too. Doubles can score runs too. Like is just, just get on base, keep it moving, make contact, put the ball in play. It's that simple. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that all balances out when these young guys are up next year. But I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think that'll be a healthy mix of on-base guys and power guys. A little bit more of a shift towards that middle than we've seen over recent years with the Brewers, where it's been so home run dependent. Which, again, yep, that scores your runs. It's great. But it, it leaves you as kind of a um, hit hit or miss, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, um, situation sometimes when it comes to those you know, runner runners in scoring position situations. Yeah. I mean, I'm as weird as it is to say, you know, as we've been talking about, you know, they're, they're probably not going to do much in free agency, but like, I'm like legit excited for what this team could do next year with, with all these guys coming up. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, like we've talked about these prospects plenty and, you know, just kind of looking at, at their numbers and what they could provide. Like, I'm excited to see these guys get a chance. I mean, with, with the roster this year, there wasn't really much room to get these guys opportunities. 
you know, with with Wong at second base, with, with Andrew McCutcheon up there, with with Omar Narvaez, um, with, with Jace Peterson, with, with all these dudes taking up roster spots, and you know, you can't really move on from them uh, midseason. You can't really get rid of them, but you know, now that they're free agents and that they're heading out, there those spots are there for them to come on up, and it just seems like such a natural transition, a natural fit. Uh, for these outfielders to come up, um, for for Terang to come up, for Feliciano to come up, they may still have to clear some more room in that outfield because, especially now with the addition of Asteri Ruiz, mm-hmm. you've got like you've got Mitchell, you've got Ruiz, you've got Freelick, and you've got Joey Weimer down there in AAA. Plus, not far behind is Jackson Churio. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to have to clear some room in that outfield. So, and we'll we'll talk about this more throughout the offseason and probably much more in depth on different podcasts, but is Christian Yelich going to be moved from the outfield to a different position? Uh, what happens with Tyrone Taylor? Uh, do they trade Hunter Renfro this offseason to, to clear some room in that outfield? He's only got one year left. Could you trade him? He's projected to earn over $11 million yeah. th- this next year. You know, are, are the Brewers going to be willing to pay that when they have a ready-made replacement in Joey Weimer, who can provide probably pretty similar production? Uh, in, in right field, you know, what could they what could they do there? So, you know, the, I could see them moving from, you know, obviously Yelich is going to stick around, but could they move him to a different position, move him to DH? Uh, Tyrone Taylor, do they trade him? Renfro, do they trade him? Because they, they're not going to have room for all four of those outfield prospects to be on the roster starting next year. If this current outfield group remains the same, if Yelich remains an outfielder, if Tyrone Taylor stays, if Hunter Renfro stays, they're not going to have room for all four of Mitchell, Freelich, Weimer, and Ruiz. We started talking about it pretty towards the end of the season as we saw these young guys starting to look ready in the writers' chat about Tyrone Taylor, and I, I've been pretty firmly of the opinion that he is not on this roster to start next year. I just, if you, he hasn't proven that he deserves that spot over some of these younger guys. At this he's point, he's a fourth right. outfielder. Right. At he's, best. Yeah. He, he's not a starting caliber outfielder, especially given the group of guys that the Brewers have coming up behind him, ready to take those spots. I mean, he had a strong month of September Mm-hmm. Uh, when Mitchell finally came up to challenge him for his job, Jonathan Davis was not a challenge to to Taylor's job. No, um, he turned it on a little bit, and that might lead to some confidence. But I don't really have the the confidence that he's going to be a starting caliber outfielder on this team going forward. Even even at his best, even Tyrone Taylor, the even the best version of him is not going to be as good as Mitchell and Freelick and Ruiz uh, out there in the outfield. So I think there's I think there's only room for one of Taylor and Renfro mm-hmm. on this team heading into next year. Agreed. Either, either Taylor's gone or, or Renfro's gone. And it could be both. It, it legitimately it very well could be both. be both. It very and I, I don't think that would be the most surprising thing to happen. And Taylor, you mentioned, yeah, he had that good end of September. That's what he does, though. He has good single months, basically, mm-hmm. and then will slump for a lot of the year and then maybe one more good single month and he'll he'll kind of he'll do that where he'll tease you just a little bit on like oh there's that 
Tyrone Taylor, I, I, in fact, I don't remember if it was the beginning of this year or the beginning of last year. We went into the season. We I, I remember us having a pod, pod episode right before the season where we talked pretty extensively about Tyrone Taylor and about how he may just not have it as a major league outfielder. And then he had a hot start to the season. And about two or three weeks into the season, we were going, all right, well, look at that. Maybe Tyrone Taylor is a dude. And then he ends up doing, you know, kind of what he does. And he's just, I would much rather, and I would hope the club would much rather go with some of these younger guys who have a higher ceiling than Tyrone Taylor. That's the big thing about it too. Their ceiling compared Mm -hmm. to Tyrone Taylor's ceiling way farther up there. So I hope we get something that they are able to figure out some sort of trade involving him. If they can't, for some reason, you would think there would be some team that's like, yeah, we'll take a chance on him as a backup outfielder. If they can't, I don't think it's a zero chance that they designate him for assignment because he's not even to arbitration yet. He's still in his first three years. Yeah. He's in his final three pre-arbitration years. Uh, and he's out of options. And he's out of options, exactly. So he's either on the active roster or he's not. That's it. And yeah. I tend to believe that it'll be not. And so your only two options are a trade or a DFA. And, yeah, if they can't find a trade partner, that might be it. And I think there'd be uh, – I think few. they can get something for him. I would I mean, too – but but again, like, what do you you trade him to a, a non-contender? And they're not going to give up a prospect for him because a non-contender is going to be trying to rebuild with that. I could you see it's him. something similar to the Domingo Santana trade. Yeah, because you know, Santana point. was out of a job, he was out of options, right? Um, wasn't really a starting caliber guy, so he traded him for you know one big league backup option, you know Ben Gamble to replace him as fourth outfielder. Mm-hmm. And because he had an option left, and then a, a prospect pitcher in Noah Zavolas, um, who right. I believe just got yeah. released uh, this past year. But yeah, so I, I could feel, I could see it being something like that. You're not going to get anything huge for Tyron no, Taylor. You'd get a much bigger return for Hunter Renfro uh, <laughs> if they decide to go that route. Um, but again, that is going to be a conversation for a different day because we are out of time here on the Cold Brew Podcast. So. That'll do it for us this week. Brewers offseason kicking off. Plenty of coverage, as always, on reviewingthebrew.com. Uh, we, have an, we have an excellent in-depth piece up right now uh, on yes. the Nashville Sounds and the clubhouse culture there. Our contributor, Eric, Eric Troyden, he talked to uh, a bunch of the guys down there, Josh Lindblom, Matt Libka, uh, Dylan File, he talked to all these guys down there in that clubhouse about the clubhouse culture that they had and the chemistry that they had. As bad as it was in Milwaukee this year, it was fantastic down in AAA Nashville, and they had a fantastic season because of it. So definitely go check that out at reviewingthebrew.com. Nashville sounds inside the clubhouse of AAA's best team. Uh, that's something I, I highly recommend. So. Plenty of stuff uh, on the site to go check out. Of course, be sure to follow us both on Twitter. I am at dgasper24. Matt is at mkemat13. Uh, we'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew.